0: This week we've got uh, Apple's earnings to discuss, some uh, some new Qualcomm 5G stuff, and uh, later on we'll, we'll get to some PowerBeats Pro news. So let, let's jump in with Apple's earnings. Um, what we were looking at was, at least revenue-wise, um, was Apple's guidance was $55 billion to $59 billion, so $4 billion range there, and they landed kind of like toward the high end of that, $58 billion. Um, which is down from a year ago, sixty one point one billion dollars in, in the same quarter a year ago. Um, but it was the high end of their guidance this 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 quarter, right, Mayo? So, what's your takeaway from uh, App- Apple's? Let's see, what are they making profit? Eleven point fifty six billion dollars from their their quarter.
1: Yeah, I think I think they're struggling. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of interesting because it came off obviously the uh, big shock quarter, essentially of decline. And the first, uh, you know, the first big revenue miss mm-hmm. in fourteen, sixteen years, however long it was, where they had to like ab- abruptly adjust their guidance weeks before their release, you know. Yeah, they had to announce early and then revise it downwards by you know a significant amount, not you know not just a little bit. Uh, and people were kind of trying to work out is the iPhone slump that we saw in the holiday period of twenty eighteen uh, permanent temporary a weird blip was it going to slowly recover was it coming back on track and you know we don't uh, apple doesn't release um unit sales for any product anymore which is kind of annoying kind of makes earnings even even more like annoying to decipher versus before we could at least actually have some hard numbers now you just get revenue figures uh but apple's business is driven by the iPhone. Even as they try and diversify more, and actually we'll probably talk about this in a second this is, this quarter definitely uh, shows a big di- diversification of revenue, partly driven by the fact that iPhone revenue's gone down, but <laughs> they they are definitely like um less all on one, but they're still you know the iPhone's sixty percent of their revenue, you know 60 percent of their revenue, and if they if they're in the higher end of their guidance range, then that means the iPhone is you know doing well again, and they even said so much on on the call. Uh, tim said that the kind of trough he noticed was in november and december and since then it has been improving Mm. he cited like uh some obviously they've been doing price adjustments in specific markets basically offsetting currency fluctuation so in china and in some other developing markets where the us dollar uh weakened or strengthened which caused the price the local currency price to go up even more compounding on the fact that, you know all the phones are just more expensive now mm-hmm. uh, so before apple would just link the prices to the us dollar conversion and just leave it at that and you know they were successful enough that it didn't matter and they got enough money anyway whereas when they had that massive shock in the holiday period they kind of looked back on on their pricing arrangements and thought you know we're gonna we're gonna do this a bit differently and it seems like that has uh, helped a lot. They, they, the uh, executives seem to say suggest that those pricing adjustments had indeed uh, improved demand in those areas. Obviously, it's still on a decline from 2018 comparatively, but it's less of a decline than the previous quarter. And Apple's guidance for Q2, which is really you know uh, Q3 slash Q2, which whichever way you count it, uh, is actually even stronger than a lot of analysts and investors expected, which again means that they're more optimistic going forward as well. And they kind of pinpoint that November, December was the worst of it, which obviously was like the iPhone launch quarter, so it wasn't great. But they they, they obviously build out the narrative of it being, you know, the Chinese economy and the trade war and that kind of stuff, depressing sales. But with the economy, you know, doing a bit better in China, the Chinese government has done some policy adjustments to help, you know ease ease the recessionary measures that are going on there and try and boost the economy a bit plus they something that I don't quite understand is that Cook says that the uh like national optimism uh, regarding you know relations between the u s and china affects their you know sales, which I can't quite grasp like i'd I'd never buy a phone based on that, but you know maybe China's different, but it seems like that with, you know, the US and China, you know, on better speaking terms at the moment, that also means that Chinese customers buy the iPhone again.
0: It's kind of a brand damage thing, I guess, and, and how you view a US company. I mean in there there have been you know, in the past they've cited um the like the ongoing US trade war, US China trade war, so where the Trump administration is, is trying to get a better deal for the US for what trade policy is between the two, two countries. Um, and and there have been reports. I think there was one on CNBC yesterday that said, like, um, according to their sources, the talks could be complete by as soon as next week. Um, and and what they said officially so far is just they keep talking, and that they there's it can't go on forever, but there's no um, deadline <laughs> either. So it's kind of a, a, a big unknown there. So but it could be that as soon as next week, then that's like that that can't be a reason anymore. Um, and we did see the stories too over the past few months. So this is the quarter that covers what the January, February, March period and then yeah. and then cuts off there. And and what it is is that Apple's fiscal calendar year begins in what? Like September. Um and then and versus like there it isn't like the calendar quarter, it's like the fiscal year quarter for Apple. And so it's, it's so opposite. they're one
1: quarter behind basically. So, right, what yeah. we would call Q4 is Q1. Yeah,
0: which is <laughs> always kind of annoying, but but yeah. So, we're looking at the first three months and and um, the breakdown. So, we, we do get the the number of $58 billion in revenue, and, and of the $58 billion, they do share how much each category made, uh, at least in revenue. So, iPhone's at $31 billion the follow up to that is services which is you know so much of what apple does now 11 billion dollars so it, it's it's not close but it's also services is bigger than mac and then the next category combined, which is um wearables home and accessories which is like the apple watch uh airpods all the the beat stuff uh home pod lots of you know all the, all the adapters and everything's in that category um and and, and mac and wearables and ipad are all about virtually tied like around five billion dollars each give or take um, you know a few points so um, yeah it's 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 uh still an iPhone business uh, that's not changed but some what was kind of useful too was like all the charts that show like you know year over year two quarters in a row iPhone's still down there's there's not growth but there's there's it's still kind of smaller than it was before. Um, and so we've not returned to, to growth there yet or like even like leveling out at where it was a year ago. But um, but iPad seems to be doing better, even though it's like the smallest of that whole list. <laughs> it's at least doing better. Um, and in in this quarter, there were a few things that were uh, released and new. So um, you don't get any of the revenue from Apple News Plus because it was all free trial, period. Um, so that, that'll be... If, if there's any, uh, a bump from Apple News Plus for services, that'll be in, in this following quarter. Um, there were some of the new iMac sales. There, there was, uh, the new, uh, iPad mini and iPad Air 3, iPad mini 5 and iPad Air 3. Um, there were new AirPods. So that's was the very end of the quarter. So it's not much of this quarter. Um, but, but they also they also cited uh, like slowed Mac sales in general because of Intel. Is that right? Like,
1: yeah, this that was an interesting point actually. They said that on certain lines of Macs, uh, they didn't have a uh, supply of the processors that go into them, which made the so essentially they were you know out of stock of Macs in certain regions and certain areas. Mm-hmm. And obviously, if you're out of stock, you can't sell them. And they would have right. said the Mac number would have been even higher if the processor supply constraint issue wasn't there they didn't mention intel by name but you know intel's the only one that makes cpus for Macs, so right, it's not right. it's not hard to work it out
0: yeah yeah it, that was kind of news nice to me because i don't recall there ever being like a period where oh the Macs are backdated like backordered uh like which specific line it was or which region but at least something worth you know they, they thought it was an issue so um it's, it's in the numbers um and then we, we don't get from apple You know, there, there was the, in the settlement announcement between Apple and Qualcomm that, that there was a, a a payment from Apple to Qualcomm as part of the settlement that was undisclosed. We don't, we don't see from Apple's earnings how much that, that is. Um, but then Qualcomm had their earnings this week as well, and they did say how much they expect to receive from Apple. Um, and what is it? Around $4 billion?
1: Four to four and a half, yeah. This this was funny because obviously Qualcomm was a big topic for the Q&A for the investor call on Apple's side. And uh, someone asked Maestri, like, what was the valuation of the the Qualcomm deal? And Maestri was like, as part of our deal, we are not allowed to disclose the number. And then the day (laughs) after, it's the Qualcomm earnings, and they just say four to four and a half billion. So I'm not quite sure what went on there. But that number is actually a bit lower than some expectations. That number accounts for all the back pay. So... You know, since 2017, it would have
0: been paid out over the span of a couple of years, but now it's one big payment, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And obviously, they renegotiated the rate to whatever they did, yeah. Because in that over those two years, Apple, both Apple and Apple suppliers, did not pay Qualcomm anything. They were just you know sitting on the money basically while the lawsuit stuff went on and as part of this revolution resolution there was obviously a payment to make up for you know at least some of the difference of the back pay yeah plus there is ongoing royalty revenue which is not including the four and a half billion obviously because it's you know going forward but it that number revealed was seen as a slight win for apple comparatively because some people were expecting the number to be close to like six billion but you know in the scheme of things a $2 billion difference for Apple is, like, immaterial. Like, it really, over the course, it's an eight-year arrangement, right? Like, it doesn't... The $2 billion difference there is kind of negligible. Yeah, like, on, it,
0: on its own, it seems like a high... I mean, $4 billion is a high number, and, and it is, like, one-third of their actual profit from this quarter alone, uh, and it's bigger than, like, their 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 giant $3 billion Beats music and electronics acquisition. Um, but again, it is it is... Multi, it's like the covers multi-year it covers back payments and and you know it wasn't a big deal for apple <laughs>
1: like, well yeah and think about how much iphone revenue they made in that two-year span right right yeah like hundreds of billions mm-hmm. it's like yeah, yeah it's it's kind was of, it, 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 the qualcomm deal it generally seems to be seen as a win for qualcomm like apple i think apple when they were going to the lawsuit side they wanted to get you know aggressively low rates and it didn't really happen like okay. they were on the call you could hear tim cook like kind of talking through gritted teeth like i'm really happy that the qualcomm matter has been resolved like, <laughs> yeah. a, like obviously in the ideal world they wanted to go to court and they wanted to extract every penny they could out of qualcomm and uh, due to the 5g factor it didn't really happen and they you know kind of forced to come to agreement but it doesn't seem like the deal is you know punitive or destructive for apple either like they're they're all right with it They you know they're paying a few dollars more per phone than they you know intended to but whatever yeah. and, and,
0: and just i mean also to put the four billion dollar number in context so a few more few more numbers here from just what was quoted from tim cook and the cfo luca maestri so um tim cook you know Reminds everyone that Apple has over 1.4 billion active devices. So they want to, they want to say when we have services, 1.4 billion devices can access those for revenue. Um, and then Luca Maestri says, um, they generated operating cost. Ca- uh, see, uh, we generated operating cash flow of $11.2 billion in the March quarter. Um, and, and he, he mentions, uh, we returned over $27. dollars to shareholders through, Share of purchases and dividends, and then this, they also had announced. Uh, I think this is their their biggest share buyback so far, seventy five billion dollars. So no, they
1: done they done a hundred billion ones. Before. They did
0: once before. Okay, so they they yeah. done a bigger one before, but again, seventy five billion dollars that they that they uh, allocate to to share repurchases. So uh, uh, that kind of puts the four billion dollar number in context too. Like if, if they're doing this, you know, they 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 believe they have a bigger future ahead of them. <laughs> and so.
1: Um, yeah, the, the going back to the iPhone quickly, the hmm. the thing that uh, Cook said is that we saw a better year-over-year performance for the iPhone in the last weeks of the quarter compared to the full quarter and compared to November or December. So they're kind of implying that not only is the iPhone improving, it also improved even more at the very end of this quarter. Hmm. So it's kind of like an upward ramp and that, you know, somewhat... Uh, inspires their, you know, next quarterly guidance, which was higher than most analyst estimates. Yeah. P- plus, there was a... Th- obviously, they've also been capitalizing on the trading program mm-hmm. to, you know, kind of bring sales forward that might not otherwise have happened. Uh, there was an interesting uh, stat that they said, which is that trade-ins uh, were four times high... Were, were done four times as much than they were this time last year. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. After all yeah, the marketing. like, come on, like how much marketing has apple put behind the trading program in the last in the in 2019 compared to the entire of last year like, at, least, at least 400% more <laughs> like, yeah way more than 4 400% yeah. like more, way more than four times yeah. they not only have made the iphone cheaper essentially because they boost the trading value which Permanently. essentially means you're getting more money when you trade in they have the the banner on the website constantly They've sent out emails, they've sent out push notifications, they've had the App Store features, they've had posters in the retail stores, you know, they've had literally banners on the walls saying you can trade in for $449. The $449, $499, $449 thing has become a meme at this point. It's like, you know, trade in now and get an iPhone XR when you trade in your iPhone 7 Plus. And so I don't know if they were like boasting that four times as much is really, really good. It To me, it almost feels like it should be a higher number because last year... Very, very few people in the world have even known about the trading system. Now when you go on Apple.com and you go to buy an iPhone, you're literally asked as your first question, do you want to buy outright or do you want to buy with a trade-in? And that kind of, you know, marketing promotion just wasn't there last year. Right, right, yeah.
0: Uh, and then, so there, there were also a few stories, or, you know, get back to the, the Qualcomm area, there were a few stories um, around Intel modems and Qualcomm modems, so... Um, one was just a report that to say that there were talks about uh, Apple maybe buying Intel's modem business altogether last year, but that the talks didn't go anywhere and that it's not going to happen is what it seems like. So it's kind of going nowhere. Um, and and we, we, I mean, we discussed I think last week or week before about like couldn't Apple just buy Intel's business that they're getting out of if it's that good then they they would or they could just hire a few key people and you know buy some patents from Intel and that be it Um but it, you know at least it's, it's been reported by that there were talks to actually buy the whole business um and they didn't go anywhere so <laughs> and our takeaway I think was that well it's Intel isn't known for their chip quality so that's
1: probably why they didn't buy them um, yeah I mean if it was good they would have bought them <laughs> like, yeah Intel wants out of the business. I mean, even when they were in it, they weren't really making any money out of the you know Apple modem supply deal. So I'm not really surprised that they were looking you know at buying them outright and just to accelerate their own internal development plans for their own modems because we all know the Qualcomm situation is a short, well, short-medium-term thing while Apple gets its own chips. They want to own the chips. This whole Ferrari has just redoubled those efforts. I'm sure they are in development yeah. before. You know, but even now they they definitely want to own modem chips now, 100, yeah. percent it, because it's it, it's constraining them here, and it, it, just as much as on the Mac, they obviously want to move to their own chips as well. But you know, the, these things take time. So, okay. <laughs> like it's like when you hear the you know the the Mac sales were were, were held back by you know intersupply supply issues. It's just another bow in the arrow of another reason why Apple will eventually switch to its own you know ARM chips for Macs, and okay. in, and they'll switch to their own modems for the iPhone eventually too. But you know making chips from scratch is a hard problem and we saw the timeline on like the a series chips the processors. they started with you know they technically had their first chip with the ipad the original ipad in 2010 but it wasn't until like 2016 2015 where they were doing their own designs and actually meaningfully being better than the competition like these you know there are big time spans on these things and mm-hmm. apple just has to, has to kind of just grin and bear it until they can do it themselves.
0: Yeah, And and while they're not buying Intel's mode of business, there was a story over the weekend from the Telegraph that says Apple, in February, hired Intel's lead 5G engineer. Um, so presumably, this is Intel's best person on 5G chips, now works at Apple, so they don't want the whole team, but they get the, the best person from the team um, to come work at Apple and presumably help uh, <laughs> Apple work with Samsung and Qualcomm on putting 5G in iPhones for 2020. Um, and then after that story, there was a uh, um, another report from the Information which says Apple's like their prior <laughs> lead engineer for 5G efforts at the company uh, left the company after the Intel hire. So um, I guess the timeline there is like it, it definitely seems like all of this year um, <laughs> Apple has been like preparing itself, like course correcting. Um, you know, hiring people from Intel. Intel's getting out of the business. Settling with Qualcomm, you know, they're they're better positioned now than they were at the end of last year to do 5G and iPhones for next year or beyond when it was looking like it could have been like 2021 and later. Yeah. This week, Happy Hour is sponsored by Volta Charger. We've also teamed up with Volta to give away an Apple Watch Series 4 on 95 Mac this month, and we have an exclusive 10% off deal for Volta's new magnetic USB cable with interchangeable connectors. The Volta 2.0 is a five amp magnetic cable with magnetic connectors that allow you to switch from USB to USB-C and lightning to use a single cable for all of your devices. The charge and sync cable has a standard USB connector on one end and an open magnet on the other end where the various connectors attach. Volta offers a lifetime warranty on the cable and sells extra interchangeable tips for USB-C, micro USB, and Lightning. If you miss MagSafe, this is a great way to bring back MagSafe to your Mac or just cut down on the number of cables you need for all your devices. You can also just leave all the connectors attached to your various devices and connect the cable magnetically, which is nice. Happy Hour listeners can get 10% off the Volta 2.0 charge cable now by visiting voltacharger.com slash happy hour. That's V-O-L-T-A charger.com slash happy hour. Or use our show notes and use promo code 9 to 5 take 10 at checkout. That's the number 9-T-O, the number 5 take E One Zero at checkout. Check out voltagecharger.com slash happy hour to support the show and keep an eye on the Apple watch series for a giveaway on nine to five Mac. All right, mayor. The next thing this week to discuss is, uh, Apple's famed and intimate, uh, design studio under Johnny Ive. Uh, there were stories a few years ago about how it, it's, it's a tight knit team. You don't know the designers names except for Johnny Ive for the most part. Um, but when when they have been featured, uh, there there aren't many people in the group, and there isn't much turnover. Uh, that seems to be changing now, at least in terms of turnover. So what's the story on, on Johnny Ives' design lab uh, this week?
1: Yeah, so this week, the Wall Street Journal reported that not one, not two, not three, but four of the Apple Core Industrial Design Group are leaving to work on other things. And if you don't know, the industrial team has traditionally had very 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 small turnover like in 2014 uh, they not one of their 20 strong team at that point had like ever left in like you know 15 years something ridiculous it was insane and since then we've seen you know a few departures spattered here and there but for whatever reason this week it seems like four are leaving at once <laughs> whether it's inspired by anything in particular is you know is who knows like i i generally come down these things that you know these people have lived through the good times. They've invested a lot of their life into this one company. Like they've, all of these people have been there at least a decade, and they have made so, a lot of money doing it too. And they have made a lot of money. Like you know, your Apple stock options from 15 years ago are worth an awful lot of money. Now. And, they, and they and they published a book of their work, <laughs> Design, <laughs> uh, Apple Design in California. Think. Yeah, that was what 2015 book, and it's yeah. like outdated like five times over now. Yeah. But what, are they ever going to update that book? <laughs> <laughs> still, it's still it's being sold at least, so it's a good sign. Yes, yeah, re- that book is one of the stupidest things i have done. I love yeah. it because
0: it just gets better with time, but, but anyway. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like I know that you can go to the obvious joke. Huh, Apple's hardware is really bad at the moment. You have the MacBook keyboard situation. <laughs> like these designers don't leave over issues like that. Like they don't. It's this is, has to be just like, you know, you you've 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 done your life and you wanna, you know, go and chill out you want to go and do something else that isn't related to technology necessarily like i i, w- I would be more concerned if you know these people are leaving and then going and join google or going and join you know samsung like well, like apple equivalents they're now going yeah. to do hardware for apple competitors but but one
0: example is is a person goes to work for airbnb right
1: yeah but it's not airbnb the you know app or airbnb the you know the software stack it's it's the part of airbnb which is like making homes so it's essentially construction and an industrial design, but you know for housing, right? Like architecture. So you can see why they would do that. It's not, oh, I'm going to go make an iPhone app. Like it's a completely different. It's like a career change, right? And mm-hmm. when you've been doing the same thing for a very, very, very long time, you know, you eventually say, you want, "I'm not going to do." This you anymore. want a new
0: challenge? Yeah, it's, it's possible.
1: Yeah, and like you've made a, so much money, you can do whatever you want, right? And if it, if whatever you do. Doesn't work out, it doesn't matter because you've already got so much money already. Yeah. Like and if the day comes, when the day comes that you know Johnny Ive himself leaves for good, I think that will be momentous and significant. But, you know, with these people coming and going, there's a reason at the end of the day that you don't know them until they're written down. Like you don't know their names. Like they are a secretive group, but they are <laughs> For a better, You know, they are replaceable at the end of the day and they have new talent coming all the time. And I don't think anyone would be opposed to, you know, changeover of some description. You could argue that, you know, boasting about no turnover in 50 years is technically bad because, you know, generally you want new ideas and you want, you know, fresh perspectives coming in. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and Johnny will eventually move move on. Like, if not to, I mean, I doubt to another company, but but to retirement. I mean, how how old would you guess Johnny Ives? Oh, he's like sixty. So I, I would have peed it, and I would have guessed about sixty as well. Um, fifty two. So younger than I would have thought. Um, okay. But you can also imagine like he won't be at Apple when he's like 80 or 70 and like maybe, you know, like 65 like that's like the US uh like, goal for retirement although it's not very practical. Um it, but you can imagine like within the next 8 years that he like retires, you know. And and they had the whole thing a few years ago where Johnny was promoted To chief design officer, which was a newly created leadership position at Apple. And it was just to say that Johnny Ive will be doing less day to day management. And, but he's got a higher title now. It's more big picture. Um, and they promoted two people under him to leadership, like deputies basically. But then they they undid all that, like uh, last (laughs) couple of years ago. So, all the, I, I thought that, I mean, I think it was like normal to think that was like the, um, setting up.
1: The beginning to the end,
0: yeah, his eventual departure. Like where, um, you want to have Johnny set up the chain of command in, in such a way that, like, he can leave, but you can say it's not a big deal because he's got this team that's been working under him, and not just working under him, but like leading design at Apple, so it really isn't a change now. Um, but they, they kind of undid all that work. <laughs> so now it does feel like Johnny kind of owns design in Apple, and we don't know the team as well. and And there aren't deputies that are like on stage and and on the leadership page. And so uh, in terms of that, like, I don't know what to make of it, but it it does seem inevitable, inevitable that like within the next maybe eight years, Johnny leaves Apple to
1: retire just, just to I feel like a lot of the execs are going to have to retire in the next. You know, five to ten years.
0: That's true. It's it's not a young leadership page for the
1: most part. Yeah, a lot of them are getting on, and yeah. you know, many of them have been there for twenty twenty years. I mean, we've we've just had uh, D.J. O'Brien promoted to head of retail and people, and she's been there like thirty years. It's yeah. it's kind it's of it's 80s. kind of wild when you see when you see that perspective. Apple is. Incredible amount of stability in general at the highest levels. Like they are a lot of dedication. So when you know, for a normal company, four people leaving wouldn't be of any significance whatsoever. Like people leave and switch, especially in tech. Like people move around constantly. But you know, for Apple, even a four a third person switch out from the core group is you know kind of wild. I like think twenty percent of, of reports, the of,
0: of the main group, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, there's only like 20, 30 people in there. Yeah, <laughs> I think there was one uh, report. I think it was the journal that said. Apple has three full-time recruiters for the industrial design team, and they're lucky if they hire one person a year, Uh (laughs) because it's just, you know, you have to be at such a good level to be there, and, you know, very few people leave anyway that they're not, you know, rushing around needing replacements. Right, although maybe that'll that'll crank up now. Yeah, yeah, this year it'll be a massive uh, uptick on the graph. Yeah. The Johnny situation is interesting, like when Howarth and die took took over essentially in it was just after the Apple watch the original Apple Watch came out mm-hmm. it's like Johnny's done the watch right, and now he's gonna go off and you know do whatever like semi retire do do some apple park stuff, chill out a bit, okay, that's fine, and then they'll get rid of him in you know in nicer words, but then he came back <laughs> and, and during the interim, Howorth and Di never really showed up anywhere, they didn't do stage presence stuff at all. They never really they had a few interviews with a few um outlets, but you know, nothing that really solidified them as on the same level as you see, you know, like press interaction with Federiki, for instance. Yeah, I mean
0: you can't say that there was like a um uh alan die and richard howard sign error at apple like as johnny left like it, things dramatically changed then he mm-hmm. came back and it was like a return to the like nothing nothing that we could see changed um apple didn't present them as much as, as you would have thought they might have like if they were being positioned there to like replace johnny you know as he departs um you there's also the, the rumors of the car at the time like when it was more so, hardware like a physical car. You know, Apple sells that. Like, some of the talk was Johnny's bored, so the only reason Apple might do a car is to keep Johnny at Apple and like like something new and interesting. Although, you, see, you know, in in retrospect, like all this stuff, if it doesn't go the way that you think it might, then who knows if, <laughs> how how much truth there was to any of it. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, I it, that was a weird thing to see Howard and Die on the leadership page. To have, like, press releases about it and then and then to see within two and a half years, all of that is kind of reversed. And the reason that they seem to, like, say it, it's reversed now is that the campus is finished. But then you could also see, like, the campus won't be an indefinite project. Like, the Apple Park will be finished in time, and it took longer than than anyone thought, naturally. Um, but, like, it, it seems like if that was the reason for him to kind of step back or, you know, however you want to frame it, that you would just say – you know, nothing's changing, and in two years, then like it'll be back to normal. <laughs> so I think it's, it's like some unplanned things happened
1: there, Um and maybe yeah, maybe the, maybe the original plan was that Johnny was going to retire, but then, yeah, you know, got revitalized by something, and he was mm-hmm. like, "No, I'm coming back and running this place." Yeah,
0: or <laughs> or maybe he just didn't like seeing other people running day to day, and he was like, uh, uh, "This is what I'm meant to
1: do." So <laughs> who knows? But that's kind of what's weird about these four departures, though, is that they didn't happen. Like, you'd almost expect if Johnny had taken a back seat that then people would leave mm-hmm. in that time period. But, you know, basically nobody left then, and now Johnny's back and running the ship for about a year. Suddenly four people are out. It's like... You know, there's definitely... Who knows why they're, all four of them are leaving right now, but... I feel like there has to be some motivation. That... Yeah.
0: And with a group of, you know, 20, 30 people and, and you're almost the top of leadership, it's like you can't expect to take Donnie's job and, and you must be pretty content with your job. And, and you're like – it's kind of in a dream scenario where it isn't like, you, you know, you want to go way up the ladder to – with promotions and everything – because um, you could argue well maybe Johnny came back and people thought they might have Johnny's job in the future and like be the next Johnny I have at Apple and now he's just like stubborn and not going to go anywhere so they want to go be the top
1: somewhere else but I can't but, imagine but we sp- saw who was going to get Johnny's job next though that's why right. they had Ho- Howworth and Die like promoted yeah. like that yeah like these people that are leaving are not Howworth and Die like right. you could almost right. see that as well like yeah. oh the plan was for Howworth and Die to succeed and then Johnny's like no, I'm coming back so now Die and Howarth are upset and they leave but that's not what's happened either
0: right yeah
1: It's very, very odd. Indeed. Um, Of course, now, as soon as the MacBook keyboard gets fixed, everyone's going to be like, we saw it, these four people are at fault. That is not how this stuff works. It just isn't.
0: So that's the only situation this this week. There there was also a story, um, first in the New York Times, about um, Apple seemingly removing apps that used to be kind of the parental control apps on the App Store. but then in the last year, Apple had their Screen Time feature. So the New York Times report was was essentially saying like these apps used to exist for this purpose, and then Apple made their, their built in feature. And now that Apple has their feature, they're removing apps that kind of do what their feature does. And and it I guess it got enough attention that Apple on a weekend decided to put out a, like an official press release, you know, responding to it. So what what's the story around Screen Time this week?
1: Yeah, this is. Interesting. We because we'd even heard this at the end of you know, like 2018. Like TechCrunch had a report about you know, apps getting pulled for seemingly copying Screen Time features, and then it kind of bubbled up again with the New York Times report, who kind of uh, aggressively framed it as Apple being anti-competitive. I think they were trying to tie in, you know, the the Spotify narrative into the into the fray. Like it's mm. the thing at the moment for you know, all about Apple's uh, movements to be criticised under an an anti-competitive, you know, antitrust brush, you know, not necessarily untruthfully, because they definitely do monopolistic things, especially with the App Store, but, you know, not everything they do is like that. And in this case, I don't think it's that different to any, you know, name any App Store scandal of the last decade, where, you know, Apple hasn't communicated great with the developers They pull apps for a change of heart in the change of policy. They don't really tell people what's going on. Then people get upset and people complain. Like, it kind of follows the same formula. What was interesting, though, is on this occasion, Apple did actually see enough impetus to release a press statement. It started with an, an email conversation with Schiller, which said a lot of what the statement would say, but that happened earlier. And then they followed up on the Sunday with a statement. And they basically come from the privacy angle and they say that all of these apps that they pulled were relying on MDM, mobile device management systems, which is where you like download a profile and it takes over your device and it can, you know, do whatever it wants for you know approximately. Yeah, it's, the it's, idea is that it's, it's meant for business. It's where it's meant for you have a fleet of devices yeah. that you hand out to employees and you want to lock them down and you want to do this, this and this and there you go. It's not meant for, you know, a normal customer mm-hmm. like i think the biggest fault here was the fact that these apps existed in the app store for a long time before apple did anything like mdm has been around for a you know since almost the start of the iphone and these apps have been around for a decently long time and they were never it was always ruled out in the kind of meaning of the guidelines but it was never named explicitly mm-hmm. apple later made it explicit but you know, when I say later, I mean like 2017, 2018, not yeah. you know ten years ago. And by then, there were already you know big apps with established businesses doing this kind of stuff. And why did these apps need to do the MDM route? Because there is no other way to do it. Like, <laughs> if due to the App Store sandbox, if you want to make a parental controls app, you basically can't do anything of value. Just. By releasing a normal app like you can't see device usage you can't see what other apps are open you can't track time you can't like cut off the internet after a set period because those you know um, like entitlements and, and features just aren't available to you know apps normal app store apps so all of these services work by making you install this profile which overrides you know a lot of the system stuff because mm-hmm. obviously for enterprises an enterprise you know, might have good reason why they only want these phones to go on, you know, these four websites and turn off at this, mm-hmm. these times, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, these parental control apps are essentially piggybacking on the back of that. Yeah. Why Apple took so long to suddenly realize that apps were doing this, who knows? Some people would argue that they only started caring once they were going to release their own feature in screen time. I don't really buy that. Like, what does Apple have to gain from blocking screen time competitors? Like, <laughs> isn't like screen
0: time is a paid service? And yeah, in some cases, the apps might be, so there's potential revenue for them through that.
1: Yeah, the the New York Times tried to frame it as Apple blocks competitors that, like, they basically the the idea is that Apple wants people using their phone all day, every day, and so. These these parental controls app go against that goal, so if they reject all the third party ones and introduce their own, at least they can can manage what kind of stuff can be disabled. I think that's where people are trying to get this at. Like, oh, if we can, if, if these things are also drastic, Apple can release one that's kind of limited in functionality and feature set, but that will mean that really we can keep them addicted to their phones. Like, I think that is very, very you know many layers of conspiracy theory to be anywhere close to to the truth. I think this really is. A privacy situation that should never have happened in the first place. Apple was slow to notice this, and then by the time that they did start saying apps have to change their mind, you know, you've got these ten businesses that are all like subscription services and they're making, you know, healthy chunks of money that now can't ship their app anymore because the rules changed, or or at least the rules are now being enforced. Mm -hmm. What should Apple do about it? They probably need. Some kind of official API or like system framework that allows apps that aren't screen time to do screen time like things. And by making it a system framework, it would act like location services where you get, you know, like a permission dialogue that says this app is going to know about everything you do on your phone. Is this OK? Yes or no? And, And that lets the user control it. But if you if you're given permission, then the then the these these apps can get information like you know which apps were open for how long, or what times a day, mm-hmm. and do whatever they want to do in whatever, whatever presentation they want.
0: And that that might literally just require that Screen Time be more advanced than it is right now, or that Apple allow with sharing what Screen Time can do allow developers to build on top of that too. So like on Screen Time, you can't do all that yet. Like you can't do MDM level stuff because um, it's I mean it's the difference in like parental control and you know, issuing employee devices It's it's different ballgame there. Um, but so they would need to either strengthen screen time for what it is. You know, it would seem to be like you can do it for free on your own or you can do it in a different way through these apps. Um, or let the apps, you know, have access to information and let them have like more control over it even then. Cause like things like, you know, blocking websites after a certain time, like blocking Wi-Fi, those are, you know, I think you can pull that off with screen time right now. Or even if you shared screen time and like put what you have in settings in another app, you you need more features than just that. So uh, I don't I don't I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, and Apple basically offered no resolution right. in their statement. They just described the situation and they closed it with, uh, "In this app category and in every category, we are committed to providing a competitive native app ecosystem." Mm. But they didn't say what they're going to do. <laughs> but I mean, if they if they're true to their word, then they have to release an API because otherwise. You know, no one can compete with screen time. It's as simple as that. Like the apps, they name an app called Moment Balance in the things like an example of a good app that isn't, you know, skirting the rules. And the way that app works is you have to go into the um, battery screen, screenshot the battery apps, you know, to show, so it essentially gets a screenshot of all the battery usage, which you have to do manually every single day. Then you go into the Moment app, upload the screenshot, it does optical character recognition on the screenshot to read the names of the apps that are being used and then it can see the hours of the day and it it fills out the database that way. Like, you know, that's obviously untenable and and stupid. Mm -hmm. So, if they could do an official API that at least lets apps get a list of, you know, other apps that have been opened on the system, other activities that have been going on, how long they've been going on for, you know that would at least help th- let, a, let a third party do something close to what screen, kind, screen time could do.
0: The right hire can make a huge impact on your business. That's especially true for small teams when one bad hire can get in everyone's way. That's why it's so important to find the right fit. But where do you find that person? You can post on a job board and hope the right person finds you But how often do you hang out on job boards, especially if you like your current job? Don't leave finding someone great to chance when you can post your job to a place where people already go every day to make professional connections, grow in their career, and discover new job opportunities. That's LinkedIn. Most LinkedIn members haven't recently visited the top job boards, but 9 out of 10 members are absolutely open to new opportunities. And with 70% of the U.S. workforce already on LinkedIn, posting on LinkedIn is the best way to get your job opportunity in front of more of the right people. LinkedIn users are people who are qualified for your role and ready for something new. It's the best way to find the person who will help you grow your business. And it's why a new hire is made every 10 seconds using LinkedIn. So hurry to LinkedIn.com slash happy hour and get $50 off your first job post. That's linkedin.com slash happy hour. Terms and conditions apply. All right, man. The last thing I wanted to discuss this week, big story at least, is uh, Powerbeats Pro. So these are the Beats Powerbeats Pro Totally Wireless Earphones. Um, The the first time we saw these was uh, Guy Rambeau found the assets for um, like how they look, what the name will be, everything you know, basically about them. That they'll have a charging case, et cetera. Um, before that, there was a single CNET story that said that 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 um, a totally wireless version of like Powerbeats headphones will be coming. So we thought like Powerbeats Four. We um, didn't know the design. Turns out it it's kind of new, a new design, and there's no cord in between each one, and they're called Pro, not Four. Um, we, we've and then and then and then Beats uh, officially announced them uh, a little bit after the Apple event, so a few, maybe about a week or so. We didn't know when they were coming beyond May. We did learn that out of the four colors, there's, the, there's black, navy, ivory, and moss, that only black would be available at launch, which was, a, which was a new development. Um, and then they had FCC approval to release all four of them whenever they could, you know, wanted to release them, uh, at least in the U.S. Uh, but we only, we only knew May as a release date. So, uh, as of this week, we now have a pre-order date and a release date. Um, and, and, you know, you might think May is going to be like the last day in May. Uh, but it, it is uh, May the 3rd, which is when we plan to release this episode. Um, Friday, May 3rd is when you can pre-order these and you have the whole week before that, before they come out. So then May 10th, PowerWeek Pro in black come out. Um, and they told us that on Sunday night. So we've known that uh, we shared the news as soon as we got it. Um, they told me U S and Canada. Uh, and, and then they'd been saying 20 countries that launch before that. So I don't know if that means that 20 countries on the 10th or not. So I guess we'll see, but at least in the U S and Canada, um, you can pre-order as of Friday, the 3rd, and then they'll be in stores on the 10th of May. Um, and we're expecting to get these. Um, I've got a tracking number. <laughs> and as soon as I get them, I do want to do a quick hands-on with Powerbeats Pro to compare the size to AirPods. We already know the case is much larger. Um you know they've got the clip design so it's a little bit different than airpods it can be like physically bigger but have you know different features about them um but then also have like voice activated siri in the same chip as airpods have the new h1 chip um but i also, I also want to compare them to the the bose soundsport free headphones that i've got those are the also totally wireless earphones that i bought for like long distance runs and um those are like remarkably bad at staying paired together and in sync without dropping out. Like they reliably do drop out of sync every time you use them. Um, and in theory, PowerBeats Pro should be just like AirPods and it's just the same chip. So I'm optimistic there, but I don't have them yet. Um, hopefully they, they arrive on, on Friday on the pre-order day. Um, if not, maybe early next week. So we'll see, but we should have both a hands-on and then a more extensive review. Before the release day. So if you're on the fence about them and you want to learn more about them, then we should have some experience there, um, before May the 10th when they, they actually come out in stores. Um, and, and, uh, one of the ways I want to test them is, so I, I mainly run with, with AirPods because, because unless it's, you know, an issue where the battery is going to die, like they're just so much better than, than the Bose alternative that I have. Um, and I've, I've been doing, uh, like, Running regularly again, uh, I think last month I did 50 miles, which is not like the most I've done in a month for me. But it, it is more than zero. Um, and, and one of the things I've been doing is like every time there's a local race on a weekend, I'll sign up for it and do that. So uh, next weekend, or this, this coming Saturday, there's one in Mobile, Alabama near me, which is it's going to be a neat race because it, it's called the Tunnel Vision 5K. And it goes through a uh, popular like downtown underground tunnel in Mobile. Um, and and that's a particularly neat area because uh, you know if there's interference that that's like one area that there would be so hopefully these come in time to test in that situation um, but uh, but we'll see so if if I get them tomorrow you know it'll be on the site if not look for it early Monday for hands on and then I'll you know give them a few days of use and we'll have a review cool.
1: uh,
0: yeah and then Mayor, the other thing I wanted to mention is is, is I had a, a thought last weekend when I was running, just like on a weekend uh, by the beach. That um, I I still, as much as I use the Apple Watch with LTE and like can can step away from the phone without relying on it. Um, like like I had a, I had a five k race last weekend where I was, was with the kids. Um, I had the phone, I had I had Air, uh, AirPods, and I had the Apple Watch. But the phone was in the car because I didn't want to bring it on the run and um the only thing I was missing was, like, taking pictures. But usually at these races, like, people take pictures anyway, so you'll, like, find the ones that you're in and, and save them. Um But I had, I had a phone call. My brother-in-law called me, and he was just like, hey, do you want to go to the park today? And I was like, oh, we're actually already here. But uh, it was loud. There was music and everything. But I had the AirPods, so I could, I could pull out the AirPods from my pocket and, like, put them in. And then I could, like, Reliably have a good phone call. And it was, it was a neat experience with the watch. Um, but there's an, I think it was the next day I was running and, um, just like seeing the beach and everything. It's like, I've always had this thing where on runs, I'll see what something I take a picture of, but I usually don't go back and like take the picture just because I like I'll see it again some other time and maybe have the camera with me. Um, and, and my, my non iPhone camera is the Sony a6500, which is a mirrorless camera. It's not as big as like a DSLR, but it, it is, Bigger than, like, a phone. Um, and, and I was thinking, like, I I would like to have – and then the lenses I have for I had a 20-millimeter lens and a 50-millimeter lens. But, like, nothing with zoom. And then you physically change the lenses to, like, change how, you know, far in you are. Um, I was thinking, it'd be nice to have a really good camera that's better than the iPhone but isn't a phone. Like, I don't mind the size of the phone. It's just the distraction of, like, being able to do anything in the world on it. It's, it's nice mm-hmm. to be away from that. Um and you know so so and and then having two kids like there's plenty of times where I want to not be distracted and take good pictures, and so the phone is is an issue there um you know and and self control be what it may. It's like it's just nice to be able to kind of force yourself,
1: um, and all the screen time apps have been removed, so you can 't use those <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so uh. What, what, what I ended up doing i i knew about i bought
0: the sony r x one hundred mark six, which was like the newest version of that camera from last august or so, and it is i think the category is the premium point and shoot, which is like not like a cheap point and shoot for like a hundred bucks or so, but like i think it costs eleven ninety nine so it's pricey. Um, but like, oh my goodness, point and shoot cameras. I didn't realize you could be this size and be that good. Um, <laughs> so, so it's got like an 8, 8x optical zoom lens and you go from like, I think like the 25 millimeter range to like 200. Um, and, and you can do like the kind of portrait style bokeh effect, uh, pictures by like zooming all the way in and like having the, you know, distance between you and your, your background. Um, and so my, my new like favorite thing this week has been, like, I still take the phone in the car because of Apple Music and having, like, any song and CarPlay in the car. And if the watch worked with, like, the car radio over Bluetooth without – I've tried adapters and I've not been able to pull it off reliably. Um, but if you could do that, I would just say, you know, locally to heck with CarPlay and just – play music in the car that way um, you know podcast or Apple music like you know I, I, without the phone I could just do um, radio which is not terrible but this is not the same as like you bring in your own collection um, and, and I've experimented sometimes with like a syncing music purchased to an iPod and that's not great uh, I've, I've thought about like an iPod touch because that would sync over Wi-Fi and, like, say, charge, but then there's no LTE. So the easiest thing there is just, just bring the phone in the car, but then leave it in the car. And so if I go to a park or a beach or something, then the phone's in the car, so it's, like, not too far away. But I can, I can leave it there and then have just the watch and then take this, this pocket-sized camera. Like, it's a little bit bigger than a smartphone, um, but it takes much better pictures than a smartphone. And is it it's just like a ma- camera.
1: Is it, iPhone Max-sized?
0: Yeah, I mean it's smaller than I think it's like not as wide as like and tall as like a max sized phone would be. Um and it's I mean it fits in your pocket, you know. Okay. It's yeah. So so I <laughs> I'm having a great experience there and I've already sold my uh I mean the thing is like the the bot this this camera costs as much as the body of the other camera, you know, minus the lenses. Um which is like also the price of like a new iPhone these days, um, but I've already sold the A sixty five hundred to a listener, Matt, and and uh, so I'm feeling good about that. Uh, and and I've another thing this camera does is it's got a flip out screen, so like if if for example you know the Powerbeats Pro arrive, I can take um, you know higher than an iPhone quality ca- pictures by myself, like using the the you know the, the the good camera, not you know like a selfie camera on the phone and then not, like, turning the camera around and not being able, like, to see focus. Like, it, it's a flip-out screen, so that's neat, too. Um, so I've been happy with that. And it really is nice to, like, leave the house and I'm, I'm picking up – the one thing you've got to do is, like, remember to take the camera with you. But because I'm being intentional about it, I'm like, I've got the watch. I've got this camera. Um it, It's kind of been a neat thing, like, you know, I don't feel like I'm compromised there in any way. I've still got contact with the world for emergencies, and I've got – actually a better camera than the iphone in terms of like you know the kind of picture i can get and, and how yeah. they look afterwards so
1: like for as good as phone cameras are getting a you know, dedicated point shoot still beat them oh, yeah. oh my
0: gosh and especially with portrait mode stuff like portrait mode's nice 2x zoom like is is, is useful when you can't get up close but I, i've still found like like it, even on like posting to instagram on an iphone 10s like, if, if you look at it bigger than the phone screen size, like, say, an iPad or your Mac, like, there's just so many examples of, like, oh, the, the bokeh wasn't blurred there. <laughs> like, it, it got tricked, you know. And and you can see why, and it's so easy. But there needs to – this is, like, a separate point. But, like, in the Photos app, there needs to be, like, an easy – just, like, you can, you know, tap to fix red eye. Like, tap to fix where the bokeh should have been. And then use that to, like, inform, you know, the algorithm, I think.
1: Like, paint away the, the, the wrong bit.
0: Yeah. I, I've spent yeah. time – like, looking at a picture on the iPad, like, oh, that's almost postable, but it, like, I've got ai need to edit it. It's like, I can either, you know, you can, you can adjust the blur now, like how the fake blur to like be stronger or lighter, or you can turn it off altogether. So it's just a zoomed image. But I, I've been in like a pixelmator before on the iPad and been like, let me just fake the blur here. So <laughs> it looks like it does everywhere else. Um, and you don't, you know, with, with a point shoot camera, you don't have that. And, and the last time I used a point shoot camera, like, you know, before carrying iPhones and everything was like, Ten years ago, and they weren't that good. Like, I mean, it wasn't a thousand dollar one either. But um, I'm really impressed with, with what you can do now. Um, and there's something to be said for like being away from the iPhone and and, and unlocking that value from the Apple Watch, where you're still connected, um, but you're and you're not offline. But you're also not like you know, distracted. So it's, it's 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 something that's like been an obvious benefit of the watch since LTE on the Series Three. But you you've really got to change behavior to to benefit from the potential of it. Like, you know, if you take your iPhone with you everywhere, you're not going to do it. And and then you've got to say, if you leave the iPhone, then what do you also leave behind? And, and the camera is a big thing now. Um, so and, and there's probably like in between cameras that are that are still good. Like there's um, cheaper versions of the Sony rx100 uh mark 5 is like still sold for example and it's a few hundred dollars cheaper so you don't have to spend a thousand dollars on on you know the experience but yeah
1: uh, most point and shoots will beat the iphone camera just like it's just matter of physics they have bigger lenses and bigger you know bigger apertures to take in more light and take better pictures
0: before i had an iphone like years ago i did think um i've got a smartphone and then iPod touch and that's two batteries. And like one iPhone will never be that experience because I've got like dedicated batteries in both experiences. And like nowadays it's kind of flipped around where like this, the, the, the camera battery is actually really terrible. And like even if you have two, then you've got to like manage charging two batteries. Um, the iPhone, because it's so essential is always charged. Like you just make sure it's charged. So it, that's one aspect where it is kind of a, a setback that you've got to then manage charging another device. And, um, but that, that I've, I've thought about that too. And with the, a pill of wireless charging. Wireless charging kind of feels like you just eliminate charging altogether, as long as you can just lay it down, it's charging. Um, so for the, for me, like I, I would be more frustrated if I was like using a wire to charge the iPhone and and the watch and AirPods. But because of wireless charging in those areas, I can now say, well, adding a, a wire in another area isn't so much of a setback, you know. So it's it's all in how you look at it and approach it. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to mention this week is a new app uh, for the Apple Watch called Home Run. Um the app's been out before but now it has a new update that makes it do some some fancy new things that are kind of brand new for the Apple Watch. So it's a HomeKit app. So you cover the story for us to so tell us about HomeRun and the new HomeKit complications.
1: Yeah, this is cool. So you you could always before make a HomeKit complication with HomeRun. Uh but now they've kind of like supercharged it. The the Apple Apple has a Home complication for the Apple Watch. Well, it's but a launcher, right? It, yeah. It shows the home app icon and you click on it and it opens the home app.
0: And, there are, and the Siri Watch face, they're, they're more... Like they can change over time. They can be like a specific scene. And those have even improved where they used to just launch the app still. <laughs> you saw to press the button. And now you can like launch, like let them play out from the Siri Watch face. But it's still... That's, that's one watch face.
1: Yeah. So what Home Run did in its you know version at the last year is that you make a complication slot, activate a home kit scene. And obviously in a scene, you have a set of accessories in certain states. So it's like an automation, uh, like a manually triggered automation. Uh, that's great. But say if you had a turn all the lights on scene as one of the complications, well, you know, that's kind of useless when all the lights are on. And you're probably turning on the lights in the morning or, to, you know, and then to turn them off again in the evening, for instance, mm-hmm. or, or vice versa. What this latest update does to Home Run is it lets you set like a schedule for each complication slot. So you can say, at between 9am and 12am, show this scene on the complication. And then between 12am and 6pm, show this complication. And then between 6pm and 9pm, show this one. So you could have like your scene for waking up. Your scene for uh, what you do around lunchtime. Your scene for like afternoon. Your scene for dinner time. Your scene for night time. And you can set a different scene all the way up to a granulator on like a per hour basis mm-hmm. so you're essentially getting a contextual complication so whereas before the one slot would only show one scene forever and you'd have to have multiple slots taking up with home kit complications showing different scenes to do it mm-hmm. now you can be a bit more intelligent and put on you know like whatever scene you do in the morning for you're ready to you know you're ready to start work like i work from home so even if I wanted to, you couldn't really do an automation for, you know, leaving for work because the default is, oh, it knows when you you, you walk out the door, right? Like, mm-hmm. um it does by location. Obviously, you work from home, it, it you know, it can't know the difference. And I don't start work at the same time every day, so I don't want to do a time-based automation either. But what you could do with this is set the morning, like the morning block, you know, so like 9 till 12. I'm going I'm, to, you know, I'm going to work somewhere in that range, normally like 10-ish, but put it in that range. And so at that time of the day, when I actually want to do, you know, turn the office lights on and turn the rest of the house off, it will be on my watch there as a one-tap a one tap go. Then at lunchtime, you know, I want to do something different. I want to do a different scene. So I just, in the in the Home Run iPhone app, you set it up once. You just go click which complication you want. You set the hours of the day and you set the state of the complication. You can have a different icon as well as, you know, which exactly which scene is going to be different colors. So you get like that visual feedback. And then at lunchtime, it will show that instead, and it's one tap to launch that scene. And then you could do one for the afternoon, and one for the evening. And you know, realistically, you're not going to have you know a separate scene per hour of the day. But rough blocks, you know, like morning, lunchtime, evening, nighttime, sleep, you can get a lot of value by being able to reuse the same complication slot for different actions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this kind of function, I would, I hope, it would be something that Apple could like bring system wide, rather than every individual app having to you know implement this kind of stuff, like theoretically you'd have to get over some ui problems of you know how do you do this in a way that isn't confusing but it'd be perfectly possible for watch os to be able to provide to you this complication slot what do you want to fill the slot at this time of the day you know for you know look, morning uh evening and dinner time for instance yeah. and the siri phase tries to do it automatically, but you know often the siri phase isn't smart enough to really know what you mean and I don't like the Siri face, so I don't use it. So I just want, like, normal complication slots and be able to get extra utility out of the, you know, seven available slots on the face is Yeah, I mean, the closest
0: thing to it would be, like, um, a weather app fitting in the background in the small slot or, like, um, on the modular Infograph modular face or, or the or modular the old-fashioned one where it's got one big slot where you can put something with more information. Like, those can change. Um but, but this is, I mean, this is like the, the smallest complication possible. Like it's it's the very small one. I like these apps too that let you kind of like design what the, the watch app does from the iPhone app. And it's like the, um, the better day app. It lets you do this too. Like you can pick, um, it's like a, 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 a simulator of like the watch faces on the iPhone and you like go through each watch face and you're like, I want the complication to do this on this face and this on that face. Um, and that's, that's neat when, when, um, they get that level of customization, you know, it's really, really useful. Uh, you don't really get that from the watch app itself. Like you, you get for like designing your faces, like, you know, what you can, what you can do with the preset faces and which complications, but not like what complications can do. Like even the weather app is, it's just, it is what it is.
1: Yeah. Um, Apple designs watchOS so that complications essentially have no, have no configuration other than what goes in which slot. Like right. there isn't really a concept of complication settings
0: yeah like each of of these apps are from different developers and i think david smith has his own version of this now where they recreate like the watch face experience out of the apple watch app on the iphone where and it seems like it's popular enough now where that should be like um like a preset thing that that they can just like plug in to their app and say like okay you've got a complication that can be arranged in the watch app here's the ability to do that And, and it's not there today like they've got to build it from scratch each time um but yeah and I'm not even
1: necessarily talking about like a full schedule, but when you're editing the watch face and you're in the complication screen where you know it's the green highlight over a complication, mm-hmm. the developer should be able to offer some configuration options there other than just, you know, this is your complication or it isn't. Yeah, like like Fantastic does a, a a decent job too,
0: but but they don't have the the graphical like here's what the watch face looks like. It's more like a description. And in some cases, the description makes sense on certain faces, but then on new faces, it doesn't make any sense to me. So, and, I, and I've offered that feedback before. Of like, check out these watch simulators and these and these apps. Like that would be cool to have for Fantastic Al too. Um, because when you look at like, what is this small. I forget the names of some of the some of the complication types, but like once you introduce the infograph faces, sometimes it doesn't make sense anymore about how you're describing them based on like Apple's own language. So um I, that seems to be a thing that should exist is, is in the watch app have the ability for not just like in the third party app, so like in the watch app, if you've got the app, you can configure the complication in in its own
1: way. Um, yeah, like and, in the same screen where you pick the color of the face in the you know the the watch face editor that you should be able to go to like a detail screen for each complication that's active and pick some configuration parameters there too and uh, on the schedule feature if apple did it they could go even one step further and let you have like a different complication from a different app for different hours of the day right yeah not just not just you know a different context of the same app so like for me on infograph modular i have the weather on that center complication that big you know that big one but you know at nighttime i don't really care about the weather anymore like <laughs> for the cuz it only shows the next 5 hours and then i'm going to bed so it's not i'd rather have like the news widget or something like that and you know that kind of dynamic nat- uh, features just aren't there at the moment
0: yeah yeah all right well we'll, we'll get into our uh kind of wish list for feature software updates like uh, leading up to WWDC so i think after this week we've got four or five weeks to to do that so Um, maybe next week we can talk about WatchOS more in detail and other operating systems So, all right, that is the Happy Hour podcast for this week we will be back next week when I will have Powerbeats Pro in hand and we can discuss the experience of Uh, in the meantime if you have any feedback you can email us at happyhour at 95mac.com you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Zach and Benjamin you're on Twitter as
1: BZMAO
0: and we'll be back next week bye everybody bye